Welcome to the Underpowered Favorite Games of 2022, day number four. This is our number two games that we love in the year of 2022. My name is Shelby Stokes. My name is Casey Cool. I hate you both. Come on. I'm waiting for Phil. I'm waiting for Phil. My name is Philip. My name is Philip. Karen. And I'm Eric Philip, 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 Karen. And Eric Scott. What's up? What's up? What's going on, guys? Um, I'm just now realizing in the run of show document that I am not following whatsoever. So I've just been slapped on the wrist and we are back for a better episode. Whoa, time out. Time out. I did slapped on the wrist and like me like, hey, Shelby, you didn't. I did I care to you two? I mean, Hold on. Yeah, no, that's I, I, felt, I felt the vibe. But no, in all seriousness, we're talking about our second most loved game of the year. This was really hard for me this year. This top five list was very difficult. Who's in first? Who's in second? And um, I'll go first because that's what the run of show says. Um, my second most played game is Inscription. Um Ooh. Inscription is a game I am playing currently playing right now. Um, it's it's again, I get to like the end of the year, I'm playing games, I fall in love with them, and I'm like, is this like the whole year worthy, or is this just like right now worthy? And I think the things that inscription is doing makes it a valid title at any time of the year. So essentially, what you're set up with is a very kind of simple card-based game. It's very run-like, it reminds me of Slay the Spire. It's a roguelike type deal, yeah. But with each run, you gain knowledge in the beginning about how you can better play things. But as you continue to play through and kind of hit your head against the wall, like they want you to fail in the beginning. Like they're purposely setting you up to be destroyed over and over. And as you make your way through those first three runs or five runs when you're being destroyed over and over, they start to give you like legs up on the game design so in other words like you hit a point where it's like now you can really grab more resources than you were able to do before and it breaks the game and it gets you to a point early where you're like breaking the playing field to where you're so overpowered that nothing could nothing could beat you and it makes you feel almost godlike because you're like i've hacked the system like now i can take on anybody i am the man and then as soon as you get through that first act of the game and spoiler alert for inscription right here coming up, it essentially flips the entire game on its head and it becomes a top down RPG deck builder. Like you are going like through a map in a top down scenario and you are building a deck as you go through a map. And then it continues to evolve beyond that. So I, the thing I, the thing I really appreciate about it is like card games, I respect them. I don't normally get into them. And the reason that I'm so impressed with this game is it's taking that card-based format. And because it's like consistently giving me just a little bit more of an advantage, I'm going to see this game all the way to credits. And for a game like Slay the Spire, like the onboarding process is just, I don't want to dedicate enough time to bang my head against the wall to learn the mechanic that eventually, like this gives me enough of a dopamine hit and like one more thing or one more run mentality that makes it one of the better games I've played. It looks interesting. I like that. So far, it seems everybody has a card game. Maybe Eric's might be revealed later. Um, but I think that you had... Uh, it, the art style is kind of ratchet, but kind of nice at the same time. Like, there's some really crude drawings, like, of the card. Like, here's a card. And it's almost stick figure-esque of, like, a cat. And you're like, okay. But then it makes some motions, and it does some stuff, and there's some witty dialogue. Um, how long did it, how, how long is this game? um i believe it's like 16 to 18 hours uh mm. full disclosure i have not finished this game 
Um, I wish I had. My goal was to uh, to finish this game. More to come on that later. But um, yeah, it's a it's it's a really good game. I'm currently playing it on um, PC. I did see a short come through my feed that this game has just released on Switch as well. Twelve and a half okay. hours for the Switch? main story. That might be one I'm interested in. Yeah. So uh, I really liked Inscription. It was a really good game. Um, another horror game hits my list. Like that is the second yeah, weird. horror game that's on my list, and I'm not a horror guy. So, but maybe you are. Maybe you are not. I'm not a horror guy, but I like two games that are horror games. I mean, I played RE Village, and I really liked that. It's not in this top ten list, but it's it's mm-hmm. really good. Phil, yeah. what was your number two favorite game of the year? So my number two game of the year goes back to nerd cred, and this one is going to be Half-Life 2. Um, Although I will say, I mean, I think this is a safe choice for me. There were a bunch of games I played this year that did not make the cut. This one definitely uh, did make the cut for me. The game mechanics are there. I will say to you that halfway through the story, I totally forgot why I was running. Um, I do understand the running joke now as to why uh, people are always saying, when is Half-Life 3 coming? Because the game sort of ends in a cliffhanger and you don't know mm-hmm. how the whole thing is going to end. Um, but I really enjoyed it. The game mechanics were great. The guns were fun. The the, the ambiance was constantly switching and moving back and forth. So uh, I feel like Half-Life 2 is one of those games that is on a lot of people, a lot of gamers like never completed or never played and i know that back when i was young right i didn't have any money and i i wasn't able to play this game i totally missed a lot of these games so i'm going back now and beating them so for me this is an easy number two um i really have nothing negative to say about it were you a big counter-strike guy i don't think i've ever really played counter okay what was your favorite weapon in that was my next question yeah there's one right answer for me. Uh, I think that the only gun that is actually worth... Well, first, I, there's the gun that shoots the orb. And I didn't realize for half the game that you could even shoot an orb. Because there's no... One of the things about old games, that right? Older games, is they don't... They don't give you a tutorial of how these things work. Nowadays, they're going to do this and hit this RB for a special, like... Back then, you just had to figure. I can't believe I just said back then. Back then, yeah, you just had to. Day. Yeah, you just <laughs> had to figure it out. And so I played half of the game without figuring out that there was this amazing orb that could dissolve people. But and then for whatever reason, the crossbow that they give you, whatever it is, they don't ever give any bullets. There's mm-hmm. never any crossbow bullets, so it's not really a tactical weapon that you can use for a long time. Uh, so the only gun that was worth anything in that game was the shotgun. That is the only gun that you actually have enough bullets to use in every single level and can mow people down in essentially one shot. I also didn't know how to use the rocket launcher for the longest time. And I had actually had to look up a YouTube tutorial because I didn't realize that you were supposed to leave your cursor on the target that you were shooting at. I thought you had to leave it on there just initially. And so all of my rockets were missing and I died and you know, Streaming a game is different from playing it by yourself. Nobody wants to yeah. watch you die for an hour and a half and not get through the level. So I Some played for do. like an hour and a half. Some people want to watch your yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't that, know why that, the that, rockets aren't working. So That segment with you, you in the you helicopter suck. in the lighthouse was a little frustrating yeah, for sure. That's, but yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was talking about. 
yeah dude for sure and like that that red dot like seeking uh, ability after you do it it's like this is a really cool concept like this is really neat but if you don't know initially then it's rough yeah. did you uh get to play with any well, they, they only crap? tell you gravity gun what's yeah. up did you gravity play with any gun. of the saw blades and the gravity gun oh i did that i you know i did like i did the saw blade i did the table i, I that i mean that's fun right throwing tables at people picking people up and you know um Callisto Protocol just came out and they use a lot of that same oh, the same mechanics. I'm realizing now that I'm thinking about it. Like you have essentially, right? It's the force, right? I mean, that's what it is. It's they're just the one's a gun. Yeah. It comes from a gun. Right. I mean, yeah, it's the force. You can grab people, pick them up, and throw them, right? So Callisto Protocol uses a little bit of that. But yeah, I definitely did some of that for sure. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. Well done. I'm, I'm so glad you enjoyed that. That's that's one of my favorites. And I think back on it fondly. I haven't played it in a minute, but it looks like it's still held up. Like the part where you get to like throw bugs at people, probably like top five gaming moment. Dude, I watched oh. a friend of mine in high school throw a brick like 50 yards and kill somebody with it. Like with the gravity gun, he like tossed it like a fishing line. And the guy, the NPC turned the building and the brick hit him in the head and killed him. I was like, this game is amazing. Wait, I, <laughs> yeah, I was getting real stressed out at some of those parts mm-hmm. where I wasn't advancing the story and I couldn't figure out what to do. And that gravity gun is a great stress relief, right? It's like this yeah. car in the water, this thing in the water. <laughs> Everything's gone yeah. that I don't need until we figure out what we're going to do. Figure out, figure out what we're going to do. Eric, did you ever figure out what your number two game is? I did figure out what my number two game is. My number two game... I had so much fun with this game. And this is a game that as soon as I was done, I had to run it right back and, and go back new game plus far cry five. Oh, I wow. loved far cry five. It was so much fun. I watched what, what got me into that game. I, I was on the PlayStation store. It was, it was a weekend special. It was like 20 bucks. I was like, Oh, that looks interesting. I watched the, the intro trailer. It was like an 11 minute introduction. And essentially you're 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 flying into Montana in this helicopter into this deep wooded rural area, and you you're land you you land into this religious cult compound, and you go in there to arrest to arrest this cult leader, and one thing leads to another. His his followers sacrifice themselves. Your helicopter crash lands. You're stranded in this area in danger, and you've got to get out and. It's just so much fun. It's a big open world adventure. You're going from region to region. Each region is is themed sort of differently. Um, you know, one region it's it's open land, open plains, really good for plane travel. You know, another region there's a lot of rivers. You know, a lot of lot of boat areas, and then there's a wooded region, and and all the enemies kind of you know just just work within it. Uh, and there's just so much to constantly be doing. You can you can liberate bases you can unlock new characters you can do quests and it was in, in the first game in the far cry series to introduce these buddy characters that you could ascend that could you know come with you and team up with you so you know you go to take down this base you know maybe you want to do it in stealth mode so you you, you grab the cougar and you grab the girl with the crossbow and you're just stealth killing stuff and just moving <laughs> in and, and it's just so satisfying or maybe no I want to blow it up. So you get the guy with the rocket launcher and you get the bear and you send those. And it just, and whatever you want to do, you, you've got the tools to fit your move. If you don't want to do, do anything, 
You can go and get a helicopter and just blow a bunch of crap up. It's so much fun. It's so satisfying. The story is fantastic. And what Far Cry does so well is that puts you in a world that seems almost like it could be real. Almost like, could there really be some crazed, deep cult that's just hidden in Montana that owns the various, you know, the various counties? Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to speculate. Far Cry 5, <laughs> like I said, it was 20 bucks. It was 20 bucks, number two for me, and I put hours into that game. A lot of fun. I mean, the, the gameplay, the, the, the first-person shooter, everything, very satisfying, uh, shooting, just... A lot of fun, a lot of fun. Play Far Cry Five. I've never yeah. played Far Cry. Uh, so I, I've played a little bit of Far Cry Five, and I I would have to say that this game is very impressive because you can like do a story mission, or you can do just like Eric said and go off into the woods and just mess around for like twenty minutes. And there's so much fun per minute in this game that it is really impressive. Like I I I'm really impressed with this game. It's a co-op game that I've been playing with uh, Doctor Z on stream or not on stream, but I've been playing with Doctor Z. And like it's it's a great co-op game too. I don't know if I have any experience with that or not, Eric. But um, I, I'm really impressed with this title. Yeah, it was so much fun. So much fun. Good call. And anytime you can send a Baron on a group of people, you know it's a yeah. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a W. It's a W yeah. for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, DC, what is your second most favorite game of the year in 2022? You know, I went back and forth, and I know I, I really thought about where Guacamelee Melee belongs in this list, and I got to the emboss, and I just never finished it. It's not my number two. It is definitely that honorable mention that I had to get in because we're all sneaking it in at some point. Um, no, and while that's a great game, and I, I'm going to look at Guacamelee as a whole after I play two because I think that I think of them as one game. Um, Mine was the most broken, busted-ass game ever this year. Pokemon Scarlet. It's so good. And I, you know, my son's I, name is Ash, like, from Pokemon. Um, it All that aside, I the game loop is so enjoyable to go out. I'm like, oh, let me find something. I randomly got a shiny in the first, like, five <clears throat> hours. I was like, game of the year in my head when that happened. <laughs> so rewarding. But the music is so good. The, the I really wish they kept the catchy mechanic from Arceus. I think that's something they lost and they need to go back to. Nailed battling. And we talked about on the show, uh, one of our shorts, about the barrier to entry. Let's get rid of the barrier. Just make battling accessible to everybody post-game, right? And let's give them something different to hunt for. Right? People want to shiny hunt, people want to play. People want to play competitively. They don't want to spend two, three hours and be like, oh, I messed up and I have to do something and reset it. They just want to play the game. There's a website that they love to use. People love to use in that space. And it's because it's quick and easy and accessible. Um, but I love Pokemon. And like from the starters to the like exploring, right? It's the weakest. I, the gym leaders are like all adults that have a job, which I found was like, all right, kid, like, <laughs> back to this thing. Um, the elite force, we, the enemy is not really an enemy. The bad guy's like, Kids that there, there's a message about bullying. So the message for kids too, it's like, hey, maybe bullies aren't bullies, but like you gotta stick up for yourself. There's some like they really hit that like whole aspect about school, and then they hit you with the time travel stuff, and you're like, where is this coming from? Because there's always <laughs> been the idea of a like multiverse in Pokemon, and um, 
you're like, okay, give me more ancient Pokemon. Where are the Ultra Beasts going to come in? Like, what, what's going to happen? Oh, they're definitely going to do DLC. They can't do this to me anymore, though. Next time they give me an incomplete game, I'm going to be like, nope, out of spite. It was amazing and perfect. I'm not putting it on my list this year. Dude, I hate to break it to you, but they're going to do it again, man. Like, uh, they, and, it's going to happen man. again. Guaranteed, dude. They are uh, the Bethesda model. This is how Bethesda fans feel or like Cyberpunk fans oh, feel. Oh, definitely. And, and like, oh, I think, I think really the beauty good. of it is, is like game development is hard, right? And like games yeah. launch broken. That's just how it goes. I yeah. think the biggest like blowback on this is the graphical is the graphical specs on here like if it came out broken and it looked gorgeous i think yeah. people would be like yeah whatever it's and just it's not the, the switch mechanics. i want to add that it's not the switch that's the issue well we're it's not game we're not game designers okay we're not game designers no but... it's not the specs xenoblade 3 <laughs> zelda breath of the wild witcher 3 all runs on that system they gotta quit blaming the switch as a hardware it's the developer. I mean, I'm okay with that. Of, yeah, I'm okay yeah. with blaming the developer. Yeah, it's Game Freak on them, man. They have a, they're a billion dollar franchise. How many other video games wish they're a billion dollar franchise? So as, as all somebody of them. that the knows answer this, is all. So, of them. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a wrench in here, Casey. Okay, it's Nintendo's fault. Yeah, it's they Nintendo's give fault. It the seal hey, approval. let's release the game in March. Finished. Finished. <clears throat> Yeah. Because the game is good enough that we don't have to sell a million copies at Christmas time. That's what I want. Yeah, right? me too. Me too. They're gonna sell. So well, I mean, I think that you could Christmas say, and I think that, <laughs> I think that you could say in a generalized sense, right, that this is a a trend that is becoming more and more common across mm-hmm. across the gaming sphere, which is that uh, to Eric's point, right, that. Games are just being released per- in perpetuity in beta and just being released like, oh, we'll patch it later. Or, oh, we're going to get something out there now and then we're going to do an update later on. And you look at some of the games that are legacy games, right? Red Dead Redemption oh, 2, as we were talking yeah. in Discord earlier as being one of the greatest games of all time. To Eric's point, this game took 10 years to make and... It took 10 years to make, and they looked at every single detail of every single thing. There were no bugs in the game. There were no glitches in the game. The game plays perfectly for hundreds of hours, mm-hmm. and it was perfect. And it's like, pay attention to detail and, and like put out something that is a quality product. But we mm-hmm. have this thing now, and especially as we move into a free-to-play model, almost every single game that's being put out is being put out in a free-to-play model of like, oh, here's free and you can pay for these accessories because right. they're making way more money off of like people spending hundreds of dollars to customize their character. Like, let's just not put out broken games. Like, let's not yeah. put out things that are incomplete. Yeah, but I mean, but that's I think really what bro- it comes down to. I mean, I, I would agree, like in a perfect world, but I think we romanticize the days of old where we had a cartridge and the game was the game was the game. I think where we're at now with software development as a whole and like the Kickstarter model and the fig model is people want to test the market before they actually put in the work, right? You talked about Mario Strikers earlier in this podcast, right? If you don't get a following in that first 30 days, that game is DOA, dead on arrival. Don't worry about DLC. So they, as a company, are more it's more to their advantage to launch a broken game that is really good and then fix it in the next six months and build the goodwill rather than putting something out, it failing, and then them scrapping the entire project. Also, so in also a perfect world, three yes, days. but I don't think it's changing, guys. I think also, it's where we are. 
three days, 10 million copies, three right. days. And, yeah. and, and here's, here's the thing. It's, it's our Keeps fault. That as it's it, our yeah, fault. It's people fault. that are yeah. loyal to yeah, it. This is, yeah, this is, we were yeah, so loyal like, and so yeah. forgiving yeah. and just, there's, there's, yeah. oh yeah, yeah this guy's right. I, I stayed up. I, I, I changed the, the clock on my switch so that I could play the game early. Nine o'clock. We're on the West Coast. Nine o'clock to play a buggy beta game that I love. <laughs> and you know what? The next time it's released, I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be. I'm going to be honest. It's, it's like that toxic relationship you just can't get out of. Like she, right? She really loves me. We fight sometimes, you know, but. At the end of the day, yeah, she gets sold mad. my car and keyed it, but that's yeah. okay. You know, she set all my <laughs> well, like, I mean, I, I, my grandmother on fire. It's all right. <laughs> we get mad sometimes. You guys I, gotta keep. Aunt, yes, Aunt. I think like. Let's, I think that I'm with Eric too. I'm a little bit of a DLC hater. I actually, I'm going to be honest. I don't ever really buy DLC. I never really pay for DLCs. Like there was this thing that happened back when in the previous console um, lifespan that the Witcher did right where the witch, when the Witcher three came out, the hard copy, they put this little note on the inside of the, because this was right when DLC and loot boxes and all these things were starting to come into the, into the world. Um, the Witcher 3 put this little piece of paper inside their physical copies. And the, the, the piece of paper said, whatever, like this is the completed game. And whatever we put out is going to be free for you. And like you paid your 60 bucks for the game. And like you should have a complete working game. And you get everything else that's coming for you is free. Um, and that was with Witcher 3 anyways. And like back then that went so hard, right? Like everybody was like, dude, I'll buy it for that alone, for that statement alone. So I'm a bit of a DLC hater and I'm with Eric in this, just put out a finished game or like, don't, I mean, it's the same thing I say about trailers, right? But you're don't still going to do it. That was Eric's message. Yeah. Well, Hold on. So, so like, so like the, the example that comes to me and it's ironic that it's CD Projekt Red, but it's 2077, man. Like 2077, 2077 launched broken. Yeah. And I believe 2020, Last year, 2021, no, 2021, 2021. And like the reverence for that game has gotten significantly more positive as time has gone on. Now they're talking about DLC and people are frothing at the mouth for it then they got this netflix show so like i guess my point is is like it's it's time times are changing and i think that we're going to see more broken games in the future and as long as the hook and the loop is good yeah we're going to show up because we're creatures of habit and all we want is that dopamine it's not my, me baby my, not me yeah. <laughs> speaking my, of dopamine Go yeah, ahead, Aaron. My, well, my, my prediction with, with, with Scarlet and Violet is by the Pokemon World Championships, because the game will be on display, it will be looking significantly better. Yeah. Casey, I think it's a great choice. You could literally you can leave the game off the list. You can put the game anywhere on your top five of the year. It's good. I love the game. It's I'm going to be game. playing it all year. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. And you don't need to apologize right for that. Like paper. you don't need to apologize. No. I'm for not going to. I'm not. I'm, no, no. I'm fine. Don't, don't, I, I, think he need, I think he needs to apologize for it. <laughs> I think so. Well, yeah, I think you think it's broken. They think for it's... having a, a phone game and a broken game in your top five right hey, now. Hey, no way, hey, dude. Hey, I need a, we Mom, need a message to the fans after this. Bro, you, how much money do you think Pokemon makes a month on that phone game, sir? Phone games are here to stay. Listen, I don't know. My dad never worked at Nintendo. 
I I didn't say it, and I'm not going to. See, look got at me. Well, got so here's him. the thing. Here's the thing. So you got, I you know. got to say it once here's, here's before the, the end of the year. Come on, man. Here's, here's the, the thing. thing, because we're short on time. If people want to get the last word in, it's going to be Parker Simmons talking about his number top game of the year. Oh, take well, away here we are. The end of the year. That special moment where we look back at all the hours we wasted and celebrate them in style. I'm going to talk about my three top games of the year. First up, Pokemon Arceus. And what a way to start. What a way to start the year with a bang. This, for me, was a bit of a sleeper hit. I had zero expectations going in. I thought, well, it's a little bit of a side game. Maybe it won't matter so much. I watched pretty much nothing about it. I didn't want to be spoiled. And by the time I got in there, I was blown away by the level of freedom that you're really given once you get past that first sort of moment. You know, there's crafting, there's battling, catching. A lot of stuff for Pokemon that's been rethought. You know, why should the screens transition when we're moving into battle? Why only catch one Pokemon at a time? Why wait for anything? You know, most people catch one Pokemon for the decks and then dump it in this game thought about, well, how do we change that? How do we make it worth your while to catch more than just the one and encourage experimentation with your team uh, with a new Pokedex? And that's been completely redone. Everything has been rethought. I, the entire time I was playing it, it felt to me, I could imagine the team sitting down in a conference room for the first time since they made the first Pokemon and they said, hey, should we change some stuff? And they finally had permission to do it. And I think almost every choice they made was correct. Combine that, you know, with an engrossing story about a world where people are scared of Pokemon and then slowly change as they get to live with them. And of course, the easiest shiny hunting in the history of Pokemon. Hey, this Pokemon right here, I just found it looking for footage of this game. It took no time at all. Uh, and this is as fun as a modern Pokemon game can get. I'll give an honorable mention to Scarlet and Violet. I spent just as much time, if not more, with those. I really enjoyed it. But it's a little two steps forward, one step back. I think this, Pokemon Arceus, is the future of Pokemon. And uh, the future is looking bright. It's a beautiful game. I fully recommend it. Of course, action isn't for everyone. Maybe you don't want fast-paced. <laughs> Maybe you really want to sit there and take your time and take turns, and that's where a triangle strategy comes in. This is the game for you, if you really like strategy and tactics. And I think it will draw you in with bombastic music, classic JRPG archetypes, and world building that is somehow both really camp and really serious. Uh, and then you've got the unique scales of conviction system, which creates branching paths and unique stories so that every playthrough is somewhat different. There's a lot of options and I really appreciated that with this game. The class promotion system and side stories help round everything out to make it a much fuller experience than I think this team has ever made. Uh, you know, when you think about Octopath and Bravely Default and how wonderful those games are, but they always feel like they're missing those two extra notches to make it this complete and whole experience and I think Triangle Strategy does that. Uh, I've really only got one gripe with this game, and that's level scaling, which uh, is a nightmare on New Game Plus. That said, it is fantastic. The presentation is wonderful. If you are remotely a fan of strategy, you will love Triangle Strategy. It's in the name. There comes a time in every man's life where he has to get serious.
He has to really think about his priorities. His family, work, fulfillment, inner peace. No. Treasure. Lots of treasure. Little toys. Little statues, cards, weapons, you name it. I'm talking about Dragon Quest treasures. This is the biggest surprise of the year for me. I went in almost like Arceus, expecting sort of a light pastiche send-up game of the main franchise. And instead, I'm greeted with an entirely new sub-genre uh, about treasure hunting. And I was fascinated by this. And not just because it's filled with references to DQ's history, which, if you like, this is going to do it for you. But because I was able to explore, frankly, a larger world than I thought I was going to, with a team of recruitable monsters to find statues, cards, weapons, and more. All this sort of stuff uh, that, again, really sends up the history of the game. And the more you know about it, you see these nice little in-jokes. But it's just so satisfying. It's like, it's this weird combination of Breath of the Wild meets the trophy section from Smash Brothers. It just, if, if that sounds remotely good to you, Check it out with a little bit of Pikmin 2 thrown in. All, all three of those experiences I love and this managed to somehow combine those into one satisfying gameplay loop. So you're recruiting monsters, finding treasure, exploring the world, all while uncovering the game's main quest. And that loop, while so satisfying, is also really easily broken by a, your short attention span, which if you're anything like me, you've got. Uh, despite sinking hundreds of hours into games, I'm easily distracted, especially if you put a shiny in front of me. And this game's filled with nothing but sparkly things to be distracted by, and it's just so satisfying to run over. It's an addictive, fast-paced game with that classic Dragon Quest charm that just breaks down all your defenses in a nice warm hug. It's perfect for this time of year. All that said, huge Dragon Quest fan, so your mileage may vary. And those are the things that did it for me this year. So. Happy holidays, happy new year. Check these games out. Play what you love, do what you love. See you next year. And thank you, Parker. Uh, we appreciate you very much. We are now going to jump into our wish list of 2023. These are the games that we are most looking forward to in the next coming year. Um, Reverse let's go order. Back to the list. I'll go first. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can sure. do the same order. Yeah. Um, so up until pre-game awards, this was a different game, but currently today, my most anticipated game is Star Wars Jedi Survivor, mm. the sequel to um, Jedi Fallen Order, I believe. This game looks gorgeous, and that first one was such a good Star Wars game. Like, lightsaber, jumping around, making things happen, just difficult enough to make it so an advanced um, gamer had to get in and seeing like the upcoming one and the working in of different characters and the flow of that game respawn is one of my favorite developers going back to titanfall like i think they're amazing and i'm so excited to see uh jedi survivor okay i think it's a good pick i didn't know they were making another one of those that's awesome yeah what about you phil uh for me it's a, thankfully a free-to-play game, which will be in beta. So uh, to bring this full circle, hmm. I, I am most excited for uh, the Stormgate 
beta that's coming out in the spring. So uh, Frost Giant Studios, right? All the big developers from Blizzard, people that worked on StarCraft, StarCraft II, WarCraft, they split off and they made their own studio. They have worked on this new engine that is going to allow for tons of units and things to move seamlessly when you play on PC. So there will, it will be very streamlined. And I love a good real-time strategy. You know, I've done um, I've done a few streams of StarCraft here on the on the podcast, and um, I just like a good. You know, there's nothing more in the moment than playing one-on-one against something, some someone, and knowing you're going to get crushed, and still coming back for more the next day. So Stor- Stormgate is my game. Uh, beta's in the spring. I'm excited for that. Nice. Eric, I think I know what yours is. I'm allowed to. You're allowed to. One is No Man's Skyrim. No. no. Um, Star- Starfield, which yes, was no Man's supposed Skyrim. to be released. Supposed to be released this year was pushed out till first half of next year, probably so that they could make sure that the game is released properly because they're a good developer. And they want to make a good game, like good developers do. Um, so yes, Starfield. I'm I'm really looking forward to that game. Probably going to be streaming it in 2023. Uh, but for me, the release of the Pokemon TCG because this because card games, Pokemon TCG Scarlet and Violet expansion March 31st. It was just okay. released. So the new the new expansion of the TCG comes out, which you know not only you know it's for the collector, which I get to cover on my show. Uh, the collector, you know, we get the new designs of the cards, but you know the new expansion, which you know new, you know new sets, new cards, new meta, all time ty- all kinds of new possibilities with the new TCG expansion. So I'm really excited for those uh, for those two things. Nice. And Casey, one. that brings us to you. Your wish list for 2023 is well, because my dad did work at Nintendo. You would think I would say Zelda. There is are both Nintendo titles. See, if anyone's gonna get the glory, it's gonna be me, you turd. Didn't he work quality control? He did work quality control, and she yeah, that's why perfect game. Stop it. Uh Tears of the Kingdom is definitely <laughs> up there. This guy, I'm about to put you in the corner. Uh Tears of the Kingdom is one that I'm watching, but it's I Octopath Traveler 2 is my most anticipated game of next year. I have a, and I think it's because when Octopath Traveler 1 came out, I spent most nights with my daughter who was like two, a month old and just holding her and playing that game. So we had a lot of bonding time, but um, I got just super into that and I'm so excited and we're going to be doing the Let's Play on our YouTube channel. I want to do that with it. And I'm very, very excited for that game. So those two, I'm just giving a heads up. We're going to be fighting for one and two next year. Guaranteed. Yes. Unless some, one, some of them, somebody fumbles the bag real bad. Careful. I mean, you just never know anymore, man. You just right. never know. You just never know. I, I So my second most anticipated, which I'm going to shove in here, is yeah. that Hogwarts game. Looks so All darn right. cool. Yeah. I'm excited. I hope that turns out. But anyway, that concludes our fourth day of games. These were our second most loved games of the year and our wish lists for 2023. That wraps this episode. Thanks for joining us on day number four of our favorite games of 2022. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>